Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's a football Friday. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Miller and Condon, welcome to uh, Des Moines Sports Station 1460. KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you, some football, uh, some remembrances uh, coming up right off the bat here. Uh, lots to get to. We'll culminate the program by giving you an opportunity to win some barbecue from our friends at Claxon's. Uh, Claxon's Barbecue, 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. We'll do that about 1145. Here's the busy BMW of Des Moines guest list here today. We'll start things off with Bobby Hansen, who played for Lute Olson. Uh, he will join us here coming up in about five minutes. We're going to get Bobby right off the top of the program, share some of his memories about his former coach who passed away yesterday. Uh, then uh, we'll switch to college football to with uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll go around college football with Bill. His final daily appearance on our program is today. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, wraps up 20 appearances. Uh, the four weeks of training camp, he was with us each and every single day. He's going to take next week off. And then he will join us once weekly during the regular season. So Mitch Holtis, our final guest in the 11 o'clock hour, Tom Cakert on Iowa and potentially college football starting as early as Thanksgiving weekend, which is now being floated around out there. Uh, We'll get Tom on that. Uh, And then Dave Sproul on Iowa State. We know they are playing and will play three weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks weeks from from tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. The Raging Cajuns coming to town. Closer than I thought. So uh, a lot's on our plate today. Uh, Bobby Hansen, mere moments away. Look forward to catching up with uh, with Bobby Hansen. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Weird night last night as we've been getting used to having so much sports on, and Mm -hmm. that really wasn't the case. My twins, they had... Uh, a postponement, move the game yep. back to today as they decided to make the sit out. The Cubs were scheduled off and just with that, kind of bounce around looking for something and there wasn't a whole lot there. No, I uh, settled on Milwaukee and the Reds for both yeah. uh, halves of the doubleheader. One started at four. Uh, I don't want to get crazy on the Reds. I still think they're they're talented. They are. And before it's all said and done, what are, what are the, what's their, um, can you get a, a central division price on them? Yeah. So yeah. It might be worth a stab. You think so? Huh? Well, look, the Cardinals got swept by the Pirates yesterday. I'm not yeah. just basing this opinion on yesterday's games, but kind of. They took care of the Brewers. The Reds did. They, um, I watched the Cardinals fall twice to the Pirates yesterday. Mm-hmm. I saw the Cardinals. I didn't watch it. Um, give me a price on that. The Cubs, they don't feel to me like they're legit. Division winner. Scrolling through. The Cubs are minus 335. Okay. This is at DraftKings. The cards are 5-1. to one. Okay. Sounds getting juicier all the time. 8-1 to one on the Reds? 
You get them at 10 to 1. You get them at 10. So mark it down. August 28th, Ken's taking a stab at the Reds. At 10 to 1. At 10 to 1. I picked them before the season, and I thought I was dead wrong, and I still probably So now you're doubling be. down. You're making I a bad bet not, worth. I, I just think that they're... There's too much talent there. Anyways, we, we Brewers shall eleven see. to one, by the way. Brewers eleven to one. To our Wisconsin people in the audience. Uh, indeed. Um well we'll we'll see. The Speaking Brewers. of Wisconsin. And the Reds have the Cubs this weekend, by the way. Yes, yeah. Big series. So you mentioned the the news of the Big Ten. Yep. And as I was reading through it this morning, my blood started to boil again. <laughs> what what the hell's different? Mm-hmm. What what is going to be different? Just admit, Kevin Warren, that you were wrong. You made a bad decision. No, 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 no. He was part of a bad decision. Part of a bad decision. Right. Ultimately, it was his decision, though, right? I don't think so, Trent. Okay. I don't think he has the power to do that. Mo- semantics aside, mm-hmm. we're looking across, and everybody, the three other conferences, are going to play college football. Yep. What's going to be different Thanksgiving weekend? Is there going to be a ma- magic elixir? Well, there wouldn't have been students on campus for two months because I believe everybody's going to be sent home very quickly. The other part that they believe that everybody's going to hit pause and then allow the Big Ten champion to get into a college football playoff. No, that's not going to happen. Come on. I'd love to see that happen. That theory is out there. No. Where did you read all this stuff today? Oh, it it just... What rabbit hole were you down? Twitter, message board, you know, those kind of things. But there is the thought that that's the Big Ten. A part of that is instead of waiting until January, which seemed to be at least the the Uh inside position of what they were going to do, they move this up, they get the well, schedule Brom in. Wanted, didn't Brom, wasn't his first plan late February, Yeah, I think, right? And they would play then the national championship game in early February, like the week after the Super Bowl. So what? Alabama's <laughs> going to take two months off to play one game? Come on! Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. No. Now the Rose Bowl, I think, is on the table. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a possibility. I do, yeah. That the uh, winner of the Big Ten would play the winner of the Pac-12. Bubble up a bunch of teams yeah. and send them to Vegas and Pac-12 Big Ten oh, Challenge. You, so you don't want it at the Rose Bowl? No, you can. That, that'll be the Rose Bowl. That's separate. But number two versus number two. Okay. USC, Wisconsin. All right. Okay. That's uh, that, So more programming. Yeah. Right. And the number three versus number three and on down and okay. take your top half of the league, top six maybe. You get to play in a quote-unquote bowl game. And you bubble it up in Vegas. At Allegiant, because it'll be empty by then. Empty? Yeah. And you play those games there. Now that I can buy. All right. You're in you're I, in on that one. Absolutely in on that yeah, one. Kevin Warren, he just makes me mad. I know he does, Trent. And he's going he's you're not alone, trust me, you're not alone. There's a lot of folks out there that feel the exact same way. And as bad as it is here today, on the twenty eighth of August, two weeks from tomorrow, when it's become apparent that um, the Big 12 is playing, the ACC is playing, the SEC won't start for another couple of weeks after that. Anyways, I look forward to catching up with Bobby Hansen uh, momentarily. Uh, Lute Olson, as we know, passed away uh, yesterday. Longtime coach at the University of Iowa. Meant so much to the University of Iowa. Um, again, Trent was a youngster. I was in Canada. Uh, can't add a lot to it, so we wanted to get somebody that could add a lot to it. And uh, who better than uh, one of his former uh, players in uh, Bobby Hansen, who will join us. In fact, he's going to join us right now. Uh, Bobby Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Bobby Hansen. Uh, great to talk to you here today and under uh, sad circumstances. But look, he, he lived a long, long life, and Trent and I are both anxious uh, to hear your memories. As Trent was a youngster, as I just mentioned, and I was still in, in Canada, know very little about the those times here in the state that I call home. Uh, so we went right to one of the sources, and that's you, Bobby. Good to talk to you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, Kenny. You know, just up here in Cedar Rapids, and, uh, you know, it's just a mess. 
up here on oh, top I of bet. everything going on. The windstorm just crushed this town, every part of this town. And thanks to all the people in Central Iowa that are sending supplies. Hy-Vee has been amazing. Great. Getting their stores up and running. So just quickly start with that because it's if you haven't seen the damage. It's 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 like it'll take years to wow. recover. So affected everybody. Bobby, are there still uh, pockets that don't have power? Do you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there were, I just talked to former co-worker she's up in the trees up by cedar rapids country club and she was 12 days without power so mm. everybody's chipping in we were five days out in the country and and uh, you forget you forget yeah. have a hot shower yeah, <laughs> yeah those you know, things so, we get used to take for granted uh, i know but it's just it's just sad and and uh trees just uprooted i mm. you know that is hurricane force winds that, that hit the area so just keep us in our Keep Cedar Rapids in your prayers and thoughts, people, as you're as you're out and about. Bobby, I want to go back to the very beginning with you. When did you meet Lou Dolson? And, you know, I don't think I've ever asked you this before, as many times as we've spoken. Were you always going to be a hawk? I mean, was that, uh, was that you, you grew up, you wanted to be a hawk guy? Or did it take Lou to not twist your arm, but to convince you that that was going to be the right place? Take us through the recruiting yeah. time. Yeah, good, good, good lead-in question, Kenny, because... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I grew up, played all the sports, so everything was, you know, locally, I was a Drake fan, to be quite honest with you, and then uh, Bob Ortigal was the coach there, he's an awesome guy, and and, uh, and then Luke came in, they were looking at another player, it must have been my junior year, I think, in, in the sub-state or whatever, but had a good game, and he was with his wife, Bobby, and, you know, he was just a presence, and uh, Luke was cool, uh, mm. I think, on top of everything, and you know, for me, that probably anointed my high school career as got some credibility as you got this guy come in and offer you. So I met him my, my junior year, and uh, he was cool with my buddies and your friends. And, you know, I, they were probably a lot more starry-eyed than I was um, at the time because, you know, when you go through that whole recruiting process. And um, Mark Gannon, who one of my best friends, was already committed from Iowa City, Regina here, local kid. And you know, Iowa was building at that time. And then in my senior year, the recruiting continued, went to camp at Iowa. Uh, prior to that, all my camp, high school camp was up at Wartburg. They have an awesome uh, basketball camp up there under Buzz Levick. So I was up there with, with the high school kids. And, but uh, to go to the Iowa camp, and now Isaiah Thomas is there at the mm. camp and Terry Cummings. And, I mean, you, you're testing yourself against against the best. So um, to get that stamp that Lute had made the offer, and then, you know, I kind of dragged it out throughout my senior year and made visits to a lot of different places and came down to deciding in late March. Now, how crazy is that in your senior year? You still don't know, and, and Lute was there all the time. He loved the recruiting part of it. He loved to meet the families. He loved to meet the fans, and, and you know, they'd chant Lute, Lute, Lute when he would walk in. A couple of minutes into the first quarter, um, you know, the whole gymnasium would stop and look, and, and uh, he was a rock star. No doubt, and and um, um, you know, come down to the end, I was undecided between Drake, Texas A and M, Marquette, and Iowa, <laughs> and uh, I was a knucklehead that I was am and was wanting to get out of town. So uh, my mother said over my dead body. My father said, "You need to go to Iowa." And Luke called, sitting at the dinner table there that evening, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, they made their decision." I said, "Not yet. I need a little time. Can I have a little time?" And he said, "You bet." I said, "Well, how much time do I have?" He said, you got 30 seconds, you have to make a decision, or I move on. Yeah, that's a true story. You lose the air in your head, and uh, you came to your senses real quick and said, I'm, uh, I'm coming to Iowa, Coach. So uh, he was a salesman on, on top of everything else, and it's a decision that I've never regretted. And 
I have to thank my father for probably pushing me that way. And, and uh, once you get there, you're part of the family and uh, a group of guys, a group of brothers that uh, are still very close today. Great recruiter, as you mentioned, mm. uh, something that, that he enjoyed doing. I remember hearing the stories of Isaiah Thomas, as it looked like, for a long time, he was going to be an Iowa Hawkeye, Chicago kid, yeah. and then Bobby Knight came in and, and swooped in and got that. In fact, Isaiah Thomas uh, tweeted late last night, wish I could have played for Lute Olson, wow. always wanted to. And, you know, those stories yeah. that are there. Recruiting is so different today, obviously, than it is. We're talking yeah. 40 years ago. But when you get to that and getting those kind of players on campus and building Iowa into the program that you guys ultimately became under Lute, it takes a lot of work. The, the difficulties of Lute Olson on the recruiting trail and, and also the fishbowl environment that was talked about. Did you ever see that as on your coach when he was there in Iowa City? Um, you know, I, I know he did an outstanding job of getting into Chicago early. I think he realized that, you know, he had to, you know, get that talent out of there. And he went in, into the public league with Terry Cummings and Isaiah Thomas at St. Joe out in Westchester. So, he was, uh, you know, not concerned about going in there, but he did it with honesty and integrity. Trent, you know, he wasn't going to pay those mm-hmm. those high school coaches yep. in there, but you know, he was he was doing it the right way, and that's what he stood on, and it's what he always has been all about. It, it, he's a class act, but yeah, he went after the big names, and and uh, you know, like a lot of coaches recruit even now in their programs, you bring these recruits in. Do they are they going to mesh? Are they going to be a problem? Are they going to be a problem in the locker room? talent is not going to overshadow a problem so you know fran does it that way i'm sure you know a lot of coaches do it but that, that was loot if you didn't mix into the group then he would pull the scholarship offer so hmm. um yeah that, that was just how it was built the culture around it and uh coach mccaffrey and i were talking I don't know, earlier in the, in the in the spring about you know when you're that young and and you just want to be a part of the team you don't want to let your guys down you don't want to let the coach down and that's what i can remember probably the most about about playing on that team is you know the brotherhood and you don't want to let anybody down uh, interesting you know i where i want to go with you bobby is, is apparently he never cussed which is incredible for to find a coach at any level that's never cussed so how would he get your attention how would you know when uh uh when you were in loot's doghouse uh, take you out of the game sit, <laughs> sit right here watch it a little bit and uh you, you get coached up a little bit and then he would uh, put you back in so um yeah, I I can't ever remember. I know Steve Waite and, and Vince talking about maybe one time in the locker room, but it was um, – I never heard him swear. <clears throat> Excuse me. I never heard him swear. And uh, the, the worst I ever heard him say was, Bobby, get your behind in the game. And, and that's when you knew he was kind of – kind of mad and, and need a little fire and even yelling at referees and that he, he, i never heard him curse wow. now good or bad it, it doesn't make a difference i got to the nba and frank Layden, you know he's a new yorker yeah, every yeah. other word was you know what and i can remember sitting in the locker room and larry bird was lighting us up in an exhibition game and frank's like you know using the f-bomb over and over and over i'm laughing my rookie year and he's like what are you laughing at i said i've never heard a coach swear like that <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and said well get used to it so i guess i made the team at that point but no it uh he was a gentleman he was a class act he respected very respectful of everybody and and uh, he just could light up a room i mean just thinking back here now all the times even 
Coach McCaffrey had embraced him, come back, welcomed him and Kelly back, and gave us an opportunity to all be together That's about nice. three or four years ago. And then his health went downhill after that. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, apparently, and I've seen this, I've read a lot about it, the family atmosphere, uh, he's kind of a father figure. I think it was you that brought up the fact that uh, his wife, you'd go over to the Olsen place Sunday morning, pancakes, and then downstairs to shoot pool. Uh, tell us yeah. about some of those Sunday mornings. Yeah, it, it, it was after the recruit was on campus, so that was sort of right, where you right. said goodbye to the guy. Yeah, it wasn't every Sunday morning, um, but it was, you know, and we'd be over at the house when they had announced the NCAA tournament uh, pairings, you know, back before there were, you know, 100 teams going in there. Um, you're, you you got the word, and we'd be celebrating over there with Coach, but he, he liked to play pool, and he was a good pool player. My old man was a good player, and, and so you could kind of tell, but he took pride in that, and, you know, a little trash talking back and forth between between guys but we were all you know downstairs and huddled around the pool table and then his wonderful wife bobby who passed away you know she'd she'd have the pancakes going and we'd say goodbye to a recruit whoever it was at that time and then we'd kind of chat about you know how the visit went and that so sort of where they made the decisions but it was all about family it was luke's family it was the hawkeye family it was his boosters that uh you know the ted townsend's of, of des moines of, of the world that you know were very close to loot and the carpenter family dr fred and, and dorothy and, and their two sons there in newton iowa so loot embraced them all and and uh that's kind of what got iowa back on the basketball track you know after some great run with fred brown and jj in the late 60s and early 70s there was a little bit of a lull there and then uh loot was hired by bump who hired uh you know hayden fry we lost all three of those gentlemen this year so um it's just yeah the that, that's where it kind of all started for me you know bobby uh thinking of loot olsen and Obviously, I'm 40. I don't remember his Iowa teams. I've seen games and watched games on YouTube, but I remember his Arizona teams, and it seemed like they were always at the upfront of what they were doing offensively. He he was a very advanced coach on both sides of the floor. How would you describe him when he was the Iowa coach? What kind of coach, X's and O's wise, was he? Yeah, the game the game was different, Trent. As, as we all know, back then there was no shot clock. I don't even think they had three pointers. Experimental, maybe my senior year, but. Um, you know, we had a cold offense, but not afraid to run when the right people were on the floor. But we had the Twin Towers. We had the big guys, Steve Waite, Steve Crafts, mm-hmm. side. Um, you surround them with shooters, uh, Vince, Sir Kenny, Ronnie, uh, Mark Gannon, myself, you know, on that team, Kevin Boyle. Um, you played defense, and, and you were expected to play hard. Um, I think you saw that in the Arizona teams as well. Um, I think he was able to get, you know, some West Coast talent out there. And when he went to Arizona, that's probably what he saw, um, that he could rebuild that program and, and um, uh, there in Tucson. But he was, became a little bit of a different coach, I think, when he got there because the talent probably went up a notch and they could run it and get up in the game change with the shot clock and that. So Lute evolved with, with, with the game. And um, it just was, was – such a and back in what I think '97 or what when they won the national title with the, with that team and Jim Zobel, our friend, got married in Scottsdale and Lute was there with Bobby and I'd never seen him so relaxed, so happy, so couldn't get the smile off his face and I still remember that. But uh, on top of the mountain, Mummy Mountain, Scottsdale, there at Wayne Carpenter's house, uh, it was like two weeks after they won the national title. So um, yeah, and Lute has always been a kind of a calm. Um, connector, if you will. When I see guys like Steve Kerr or Bushler or those guys, everybody wants to talk about Luke. So wow. Luke never forgot Iowa. You know, he, he was going out to Arizona and 
Coach McCaffrey embraced him, welcomed him and Kelly back a few years ago, the last time we saw him. And they'd see each other on the Nike coaches trip and had that, had that bond of, of Iowa. So I, I uh, reach out to Coach McCaffrey and thank him for, you know, welcoming Luke back and, and allowing us to all be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Bobby, my last thing for you, and this may be unfair because there's, there's, I'm sure there's a lot, but what was uh, his greatest moment as a Hawkeye? Maybe, it's, maybe it was a game, um, the Georgetown game. You had a big role in that game. You didn't play a ton of minutes, but the minutes you didn't miss, I don't think, when you're on the floor. Uh, what was, if, there was, if you could narrow it to one, what would his best moment be, his biggest moment? Yeah, probably the Georgetown game because it was a comeback and, and Georgetown was John Thompson and, and, you know, they were expected probably the team to come out of that East regional. Um, they were ahead, maybe 10 at halftime, maybe you got the 14 in the second half, but Luke always preached efficiency and we had a, an efficiency chart and, you know, a turnover was minus two, a made shot was plus two, a missed shot minus one. So you added all that up, offensive rebound plus two, so with all perfect basketball. So I, I'd have to say that if that was uh, probably Lutz's Lute's shining moment, that we were working on an empty tank, to be honest with you. We had a lot of injuries, and guys just all kind of stepped up and did their thing and accepted that they weren't playing, they were playing, whatever it was. And uh, it all worked out in the end when Steve Waite made the great improvised move <laughs> up and under and uh, scored the basket and made the free throw. We're going to the Final Four. Wow, unbelievable. Is there any doubt that Carver Hawkeye Arena is the house that Lute built? Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. Um, he, you know, it, it was in the works right after that. Lute was National Coach of the Year in 1980. And, uh, he, you know, him and Bump went to work on let's raise some money, get this thing built. Um, you know, I love Carver Hawkeye Arena. Maybe maybe we should have redid the field house or something, but the, the rumor was the hospital needed the space and they needed a new place, and Luke wanted this new place. I didn't even know where they were going to build it. I never went over on that edge of campus, to be honest with you. But uh, it got built and uh, took a few years to kind of settle in there. But, um, you know, it, it uh, was built ahead of its time, and, and now with the renovation that they've done to it or I've done a great job, um, you know, practice gyms and that. They just didn't have practice gyms back in 1981. So, um, but yeah, that, that was one of his, uh, his, his moments that uh, he, he brought to Iowa. And then I think there were a lot of disappointed people when he left in, in 1983. <laughs> Me, I was a graduating senior. Yep. It didn't really matter. But yeah, it, it, uh, I, I think it hurt a lot of people. I'm hearing from a ton of, ton of fans, ton of friends who, who, uh, just got great memories of, of Luke and, and uh, leading the, those teams. Well, thanks for sharing some of yours with our audience, Bobby. We appreciate it. We uh, look forward to hearing you and Dolph all winter long. Fingers crossed. Let's pull this off. Bobby Hanson, thanks for sharing those memories with us. We really yeah, appreciate it. You got it. it. Good to talk Thank to you. Thank you, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby Hanson uh, joining us as we uh, go back da- down memory lane. That run to the Final Four. In the round of 32, they played NC State. Beat Norn Sloan. Guy just won a national championship at NC State. In the Sweet 16, beat number one seed Syracuse, yep. coached by a young Jim Beheim. It's crazy. And then in the Elite Eight, are. John Thompson mm-hmm. and Georgetown, they beat them to go to the Final Four. That path that they went through, that regional, also in that regional that year, Lefty Giselle mm. at Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Lou Dolson. Jim Valvano, who was wow. at Iona at the time. Raleigh Massimino, Jeez. they were the eight seed that year. Don DeVoe, who had a lot of success at Tennessee. That was just in a regional. <laughs> And that's the path that they went through to get to 
their last Final Four. That's crazy. Thank you, Bobby Hanson. Yeah. That was good stuff. I thought it would be, and uh, Bobby certainly uh, was terrific as he shared some of his memories about uh, a legend uh, in the state of Iowa. All right, Kicks and Owen iHeart want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword CASH to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000 cash to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Switching gears to football next. Miller and Condon till noon. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll catch him. Then we'll hear Mitch Holtis. Uh, lots of ground to cover here as we take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and Owen 10 Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KX and O. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As we take you until noon, barbecue to give away in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll do the Hawks with Tom Caker, the Clones with Dave Sproul. Look forward to both of those segments. Mitch Holt is still to come. Right now, he's Bill Bender. He joins us weekly during college football season, and gosh darn it, it's here. Right, Trent? It is. It is here. Yes, indeed Austin it is. Austin P. Central Arkansas tomorrow night. 7 o'clock. Uh, Bill Bender joins us. Hello, Bill, Trent, and Ken. Thanks for coming on. How are you, Bill Bender? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on, Bill. So there's a, th- a new plan from the Big Ten that's being floated out there. Uh, the consensus apparently still is to start early January, but now apparently also on the table is starting conference play somewhere around Thanksgiving. So when the other three power conferences are what, a week or two away from finishing their season with uh, still the championship game to be played, assuming we get to that point. The Big Ten is now saying, you know what, we can start towards the end of those three. It, that, that, to me, Bill, just makes their decision look worse. Where do you sit on the new theory, or the new, uh, uh, the new I guess, plan uh, on the Big Ten start of play? Pointless. I, you know, I mean, you're not going to play for a college football playoff championship. You're going to do your own thing, and it's going to anger fans just the same. I don't think there's an easy fix for what they did. Um, especially, like you said, we have football tomorrow. We're going to have football next week. Um, I don't know how that's going to go, but it, it's just a lot of, like, backtracking and too little too late is how it feels. Yeah, and – What's going to be at that point? What's it going to look like? What are you playing for? And ultimately, you play Thanksgiving, you get it started then, or January or March, or however it turns out to be. Are you playing for a Rose Bowl? Are you playing for anything outside of a Big Ten championship? What is this going to look like if they do pull anything off? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's going to be tied to the college football playoff. I don't know why you would do it other than to satisfy some fans and it shows that the leadership isn't sticking by the decision obviously there's a court case on uh, going on too it's just another layer of the hits that the big 10 is taking for making a decision too soon i mean the pac-12 isn't doing this though i think the big big 10 is trying you know once you make a decision you got to realize that you're not going to make everybody happy um now they're kind of giving in to the people they didn't make happy and when you do that it just leads to more mistakes. 
Bill, have you heard the Pac-12's plan? Um, I, I know that they've been busy uh, cutting uh, cutting people and taking away their livelihoods at the Pac-12 network and the Pac-12 offices this week. Um, have you heard the Pac-12 plan? Do they still do they want to start in early January? And if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 aren't in sync, that seems like the Rose Bowl's a long shot at, the, at this point. Right, and I don't, you know, the Rose Bowl's a semifinal anyway. Oh, so good point. Yeah, good I, point. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to play the Rose Bowl. Um, and I don't know that Pac-12 is organized enough right now to even play. Yeah. So I, I don't think, I think it's the next Pac-12 game we see will be in 2021 in the mm. fall. If we, you know, I, I, that would be my best guess. And, you know, with the Big Ten just throwing what it seems like things at the wall right now, it's, it's, it's a serious concern about the leadership there and the, yeah. or the lack thereof. And, and, you know, at the same time, it's just, I think they missed and now they're trying to cover that miss. And I don't know if they'll be able to. It certainly doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Bill Bender joining us from the Sporting News. Bill, I mentioned the FCS game coming up tomorrow night. It's a slow trickle as we get going. I thought you were going to get No, 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 we're not going to break down the Purple Bears <laughs> against the Governors. No, we're not going to go that route. But by the time we get to September 12th, do you, do you have any reservations that we're going to be all systems go when the Big 12 starts playing those non-conference games. And, and really, that'll feel like the full full, full week of, uh, of college football. Any reservations? Well, I think tomorrow it's just what does it look like. You know, mm-hmm. how did they social distance on the sideline? How did they, uh, how did they, you know, keep the game safe? I think that's why people will be watching tomorrow. And then as you get into it, if it can be done safely. And it's being done at the high school level here in Ohio and in other places, obviously. And, and there's no huge problems yet, but I mean, all it takes is one. And I think every, I think the safety factor is going to be a big part moving into the season. Yeah, I'm with you. So Ohio, as uh, high school football started in Ohio, we started what last night, Trent? Last night, yeah, a couple and games. a full blown schedule here tonight, week one uh, in Iowa. Is Ohio underway? And if so, how's that gone? Yeah, they're playing this weekend. Okay, so there was some game. I think there were some games last night. We've got a Friday night tonight um and then tomorrow you know on espn sunday you got pickerington north and pickerington central that's in our hometown and two pretty good teams so you're gonna see some good football um and again you gotta just make sure that we can do it safely Mm -hmm. so we saw nebraska players eight of them files lawsuit against the big 10 it feels like there's going to be more and more of these kind of legal battles here it doesn't feel like there's any type of recourse at all. But back to the Big Ten for a moment and just Kevin Warren, the chancellors and presidents, and the look that is out there. How much more information are we going to find out? With these lawsuits, are we going to ever get to the bottom of exactly how it played out, how the cancellation of the fall season came? I mean, they deserve to know that, but I don't know. I, again, I don't know that that's going to do the Big Ten any good or the teams. Um, you know, I think the biggest reason people want the vote is so they can complain about who said no. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do. That, that's the only reason people want the vote. Or, or if there was a vote, now if there wasn't, that's going to be a problem for Kevin Warren. But yeah, I, mean, I guess the parents deserve some transparency here. The athletic directors do, the football coaches do. And I mean, from there, you go for it. Um, I think if it's based on medical then you know, that's a tough break, but I mean, at the time, the the COVID numbers were different. The testing was a little bit different. I know there's some advances in testing, and that's a good thing. But I mean, again, you're going to be playing 
until there's a vaccine, you're going to be playing with COVID through Thanksgiving next year. I mean, whenever. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Uh, sadly, it is. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, we've seen a couple of uh, outbreaks amongst entire position groups. LSU apparently has one. Oklahoma, similar circumstances. Uh, that That's alarming, uh, put it, putting it mildly, Bill. Uh, how will coaches uh, adapt to that? Uh, obviously, I, mean, I guess you're going to have to take the ones. You're gonna, if you're an offensive line coach, you're going to have to have a meeting with your ones, and I would assume with your twos at a different time or in different – maybe you're on – you're in one room and the other two are, are spread apart, but this seems like a big problem to me, Bill Bender. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're going to have that. Uh, that's going to be an issue as we get into the season. I mean, the MLB had that a little bit. You've had a couple teams be impacted by COVID, but then they're back, and then it puts a hamper on the schedule. The difference with football is you miss one game and miss two weeks. I mean, that's a huge deal in football as opposed to a 60-game season. So... I think that's something to watch. And again, like some of those position groups, it really depends on which one it hits. Going to impact your entire team. You can't play without an offensive line. You yeah. can't play without your quarterback. Well, I suppose you can move a receiver to quarterback, but I mean, it's not going to be easy. And I think that is something that's going to be prevalent during the season. One more for me, Bill, and I'll let Ken finish up with you here. I, I want to get your perspective. Last week we found out that the NCAA gave the waiver an additional year of eligibility for these athletes. Now, the Pac-12, I think, is maybe the easiest, especially, as you said earlier, if they don't play, it's pretty simple. You tack it on. But for some of these other conferences, the conferences that do play in some form or fashion, what's that going to like? like and the financials that are upon it, you're talking about an extra 10, 12, maybe 15 scholarships going into the final year when everybody's struggling financially. How do you think this is going to ultimately play out with football? Obviously, it pays the bills, and you want to give these guys out there that they can still help your team win. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens, how they manage the rosters. Is Do they create another kind of shirt, whether it's a super red shirt or something like that that allows this to happen, but the numbers game is going to be tricky. The the way they do it between conferences is going to be tricky, and it was the right decision by the NCAA. You don't want to penalize the kids for this, but they are going to have to be very flexible with roster management with the coaches and through recruiting and seniors and, and all that kind of development moving forward, and I think they will. But, but it'll probably mean an increase in the number of players on the practice field and on the field, and that's not the worst thing in the world either. No, I'm with you. Bill, uh, last thing, you're a Heisman voter. Have you been any given any guidance? Are they still bound and determined to do this thing in December? Say the Big Ten does come back. Why would they uh, not wait I mean, I don't think there's a rule that says it has to be passed out uh, in, 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 in December. Um, could they wait? If, if the, has the Heisman Committee given their voters any guidance as how they will proceed? No, Mike, of course, he did a story on that for us. I mean, they're kind of in wait-and-see mode as well. Um, I would imagine they would do it in December if it's a somewhat normal regular season with the 76 teams going and wouldn't wait on the Big Ten, but uh, you just never know. So. Yeah, it's always cool to be able to vote for that, and hopefully I'm able to do that this year, and then we have a kind of normal Heisman run, and we'll see how that goes. You going to a high school game tonight? I'm not. No, we got softball practice, but uh, I'll, you know, that if you guys get a chance, check out Pick North and Pick Central on Sunday on ESPN, too. It's, uh, oh, nice. There's some good talent on the field there. It'll be a good game. Good stuff, Bill. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Bill Bender. Hey, thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Yep, take care. Bill Bender, uh, Sporting News, sportingnews.com. Why wouldn't they wait for the Big Ten?
if they're if they're going to pass out the Heisman, mm-hmm. why do you have to pass it out in December? I mean, I don't know. They, they missed the window. They screwed it up. This is an awful look, Trent. If they're going to play in Thanksgiving, it's ridiculous. They're just compounding the yes. Why they wouldn't have just paused? But, paused. Yes, paused. exactly. We're, we're going go to see nuclear? how this. Yeah, but August tenth. No, it's over. Yeah. Why? And then two weeks later, you get word that there is this quick test mm-hmm. um, that apparently is legit, and it's it legitimately is fifteen minutes. You know whether you're positive or not. Uh, I saw it on Twitter last night. It's remarkable how you do it. Oh, really? You use your phone, mm-hmm. and you, there's a barcode, and you you do have to. T- you still get the nose thing, okay? But you're doing it to yourself, uh, and then you put it in some kind of packet, mm-hmm. and you send that off. With your barcode on it, you use the scanner thing, whatever those things are called. <laughs> the scanner. Yeah, yeah. it looks like you spilled something on a piece of paper, you know, and you get that little... Blotch? Yes, the blotch. There's, I'm sure there's a name for it, but I'm 61. Cut me some slack. <laughs> um, but I thought it was pretty cool, and it was, you know, if this works, and apparently it does. Yeah. But they say Prevagen works, too, and it doesn't. It's true. I saw that commercial right you after you mentioned saw that. It. Yeah. I finally uh... Did you Google... No, I didn't know. I mean, that's still not my demographic. I'm not Googling <laughs> random uh, medicines uh, that come up on, on TV. But I saw that and I started chuckling to myself as soon as the, <laughs> the commercial popped up and I actually paid attention to it and said, oh, here's what Ken They're was talking making about. making billions on this thing. And you look at the reviews and it hasn't been proven to work at all. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so a good Trent, placebo. I, I guess. Uh, Mitch Holtis is going to join. It's yeah. kind of a melancholy appearance with Mitch. I right. Mean, it's over. It is. Training camp is over. I got to hard knocks, by the way, yesterday. What'd you think? Not as bad as you thought it was. Maybe it was because Chris Harris, Keenan mm-hmm. Allen, and those rivalries yeah. that they had is when Harris was a I, I was thinking of that when I was watching it on, yeah. on Tuesday night, that I, I'm sure you were going to enjoy that part I of did. it. did. I thought that was good. The Chris Harris FaceTiming with his kids. Yeah, that was <laughs> Talking about too. his in-laws, like, right. yeah, they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, he knows. I mean, I think him and his wife have... I think four. I think young that's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good part, it, though. It was a good part. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't bad. The no. Chargers seemed. Week two is still my favorite. Yeah, that's that's the best of the, the two three so at this point. Did it seem like it was? Not that they've neglected the Rams. It, oh, yeah. here's the other. My other takeaway: SoFi Stadium is a freaking palace. Yes, it is. Holy mackerel! It's crazy what two billion dollars can uh, uh, pay for, huh? You've been to US Bank. You were there yeah. for the Final Four. Yep. Have you seen a football game? There? I have. I've seen a couple. Oh, the Bears and Vikings. Yeah, right, see, right, I've right. been up there for two Vikings yep. Bears games. Um, and I've heard that nothing but good things about it's, that. I haven't been yet. Yeah, but I would like to see that, and mm-hmm. I'd like to see SoFi. Well, let's go to Allegiant Vegas. Too. Looks good yes. in Vegas, the home of the Raiders. I think we're going to get there at some point. Oh, the Hawks are playing there. Yes, the Hawks are playing with there the new Las game. Vegas Bowl yes, connection. Absolutely, Big Ten, and and just think when we again back to normal. Every what is it? Every what's the rotation look like? Basically every, every six other years, year, I thought. Well, it? I'm not talking about like the Bears. Oh, I see. For the I'm sorry, the Bears, I was the Vikings, college. and and the Packers. Every six years, you get the opportunity mm-hmm. to go out there. That those tickets. Ugh. When the Steelers make their way, and on and on and on. Trent, if the Golden Knights are any indication? Yes. I mean, they feel, nah, they, they've got a lot of fans there. I mm-hmm. don't want to sound like that I'm, you know, uh, this, it's becoming a legit hockey town. But it's also a legit destination when your team is playing there. Yes. 
Um, I've heard about all the Canadians that oh, come Oh, it's bizarre. All the Oilers are playing Vegas. Yes. Oh, here they come. Jets it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we've got Mitch Holters for the final time daily. We will get him weekly, not next week, but starting game week. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. One of- days from 9 to noon. All right, welcome back. Thanks to Bill Bender from the Sporting News. As promised, let's get to him. As uh, we said yesterday, this is the final daily appearance during the program. It's good and bad. Uh, it's bad that we won't get him. Mitch Holt is daily. It's good that football, NFL football, is on the horizon. Well, high school football is here tonight, and I know that means something to Mitch Holtis. Welcome to the program. How are you? Ken, I'm doing great. Our 20th report out of 20 days, and we'll take a week off, and then we'll check in weekly with you guys. But love high school football. Absolutely love it. And I love it in the state of Iowa. Uh, we may have to draft teams again. I don't yeah. know. But it's got to be, you know, the smaller schools. We've done that in the yep. past. But just excited at every level. And then now we're inside of two weeks. Two weeks from last night, we'll open the season. So here we go as we get ready for that kickoff of the season inside of two weeks, which is just absolutely wild to think about. Where are we at? Let's uh, let's start with the positives and yeah. go forward with that on the Chiefs as we put together our final training camp report. Well, let me start with something that's less obvious. I think the Chiefs, what we know, can have the potential to be more explosive on defense. This team in the last three weeks of watching camp here, two-plus two weeks, uh, I, I'm calling it fast and furious. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tano Passanio, Ben Neiman, the Iowa Hawkeyes, had a really, really good camp, but they look faster. Now, what we don't know about that defense is what they're going to face in the first month of the season. Now, we know that they're going to face a run-centric offense in all four of those games. And in all four of those games, you have a potential of a running quarterback, for sure with Deshaun Watson. Tyrod Taylor has beaten the Chiefs Mm -hmm. as a Buffalo Bill quarterback in the Andy Reid era. Then you've got the third game. We all know about Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton quarterbacking New England, we think, in the fourth game. Can you command the line of scrimmage? Offensively is what we know is this is the legion of Zoom. This is the most explosive offensive team, and they're not backing up any. They've shown that in this camp, and barring injuries that they had last year, they could go to another level. What we don't know is who's going to emerge individually at that level. Is that McCole Hardman? We featured him in week one. Uh, what will Clyde Edwards-Hilaire do? But overall, this is a team that's, you know, pegged to be right now number one in the power ratings, and that's where they ought to be. I'm not going to shy back from that at all. No, nor should you, Mitch Holtis. Mitch, as an aside, do you remember, when was the last time they lost to an AFC West opponent? Seemingly it's been a while, yeah, right? Well, they've lost three in in uh, the last 30 games, but all on Thursday nights. And it was the Thursday night game against the Chargers in 2018. Is that right? Uh, uh, the Chargers scored on a Thursday night game at Arrowhead uh, and went for two to win it. They weren't going to go to overtime, and they hit the two-point conversion to win 29-28. The Chiefs have not. Here's their stat of the night, or the day, as it were, sorry, uh, on this red Friday in Des Moines. Uh, the Chiefs have not lost a Sunday division game since November the 30th, 2014. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, they're 27-3 and three against the division, but all three of those losses have been on Thursday nights. And I, so, yeah, 
Yeah. I, you know, you mentioned Ben Neiman a minute ago. I want to pick up on that because I thought he was a long shot to play in the league, and then he just kept sticking around. And I remember a couple of your training camp reports. He, you know, he'd pop up in them. You'd notice him. You'd bring him up as an Iowa kid. And I too have read the same stuff. And I'm glad you brought that up. You saw it with your own eyes, uh, but I've read with mine that he's had a really good camp, Mitch. Yeah, really good. He went from being like, oh, well, he's a nice player, and his dad's a coach, right? Uh, that guy, to oh wait a minute, maybe he's a mainstay here. And I think that's where he has to, he, he's on the cusp of proving that, um, is being a mainstay in this organization. And uh, so uh, he, uh, he's he been, and he can make explosive plays. He had a pick six against Atlanta in his rookie season, in the preseason. There you go, whoa, okay. Uh, maybe he's a little more athletic than you think. And then his plays last year in the postseason especially in the Super Bowl, where he had the great kickoff coverage play. Uh, he was involved in the sub packages. But now, all of a sudden, he's looking like he could be involved in the base and the sub packages mm-hmm. and be on the field a whole lot more. How about the other Hawkeye in that linebacker crew? Veteran, seventh year in the league, not bad for a fourth-rounder, Anthony Hitchens. What have you seen out of Hitch? As steady as getting a pizza at Papa John's. <laughs> you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, quality dude, quality. Uh, there's not a lot of flash plays. He had one last year against Denver when he had the uh, sack strip fumble of Flacco that led to the um, scoop and score. Uh, but you know what you're going to get. You don't worry about, hey, I wonder what Hitch is going to do today. You know what he's going to do. And that's a steadying influence. He also wears the green dot. Do not overlook that. Mm-hmm. And the other guy wearing the green dot, they can't be on the field at the same time wearing the green dot, uh, is Hitch. Uh, he's, um, uh, I'm sorry, the aforementioned Ben Neiman. So, the Hawkeyes are gold and black, but for the Chiefs, they're green because they lead the defense taking the communication from the coaches. Uh, concerns, uh, Mitch Holtis? I would say offensive line depth. Uh, Osemele, I'm so excited about Osemele um, and what he can mean to this team. We covered that before yeah. a week ago or so. Uh, but if he goes down, now all of a sudden, because you don't have three offensive linemen that you had last year, you, you Leray Duvernay, Tardif, uh, or two you didn't have last year, and one who opted out is your third-round pick. Two guys opted out, Leray Duvernay-Tardif and Niang, and then um, Stefan Wisniewski goes to the Steelers on a free agent deal. So you're going, woo, okay. Uh, you'd love to have eight solid uh, rimmers as the swing tackle, but if Assembly's healthy and going, they'll be better on the offensive line. If he's not, um, it is you're in the Alamo for a while. Mm. Well, we'll talk about the upcoming opponent each and every week with you, Mitch. But, you know, we've got some time left. This is your 20th appearance. We've done 20 of these. Uh, I don't want to shortchange what the Donaldsons mean to the community, what they mean to uh, uh, bringing you aboard here, uh, Papa John's and the Donaldsons. Why don't you take as much time as you want and share their story and what they're doing? Well, well thanks, Ken and Trent. But, I've mentioned throughout the week the work that they do, and they've got several philanthropies they work with, and it's just how they're wired. It's what they do, and it's not to show off. It's just that's how their hearts are. Um, But particularly with the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, you can have them on sometime in Des Moines uh, because the Donaldsons have been one of the mainstays in the Des Moines and Central Iowa leader for JDRF, but right now, 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 they have their JDRF fundraiser pizza. All right, get ready for this, guys. A large two-topping pizza, any bread side for fifteen ninety nine, or a large five-topping 
or specialty pizza at any breadside for seventeen ninety nine. A dollar of those purchases will be donated by the Donaldsons and Papa John's to JDRF. The online codes fifteen ninety nine JDRF and seventeen ninety nine JDRF if you're ordering online. But they do a lot to and, and right now the nonprofits are in yep. in a state of flux, man. They've they they're, they're all struggling. Uh but the Donaldsons are going to do what they can do, and you can do. You, you love their pizza. Well, you can love JDRF while you're loving their pizza. We've loved having you on for these last 20 days of training camp. Mitch Holtis, take a week off. We'll talk to you game week. Thank you for what you do for us. Appreciate it, Mitch. Appreciate the Donaldsons uh, and the JDRF and the 1599 code and the 1799 code if you're ordering online. Thank you, Mitch Holtis. Appreciate what you've done. Thank you, Canuck, and thank you, Trent. <laughs> All right. Look forward to talking to you on a weekly basis, Mitch. Take care. You got it. All right. Take care. Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. We've got Hawkeye, Cyclone. Barbecue conversation still to come. I like all three of those. Things. I do too. Trent Condon. Uh, we will get into the eleven o'clock hour next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three FM.